You all excited about being a Christian? Whoa, yes, all right. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. If you don't have one and would like one, uh, we will make sure you have one. Just raise your hand. Uh, if you have a phone, you can always look on your app. Uh, if you've got a tablet here, you can do that. Um, you know, I, I, I read this week that, uh, well, what did it go? Moses was the first one to get the information on his tablet from the cloud. Something like that, you know. Uh, anyway, I, I didn't get that exactly right, but that's kind of how it went. Uh, but if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 13 to 18. We started this uh, passage last week, but there's way too much to get into just one week because you need to know a little bit about, oh, everything that, that goes around it. And uh, it's talking about when Jesus comes back for the church. Uh, this was a real concern for the people of Thessalonica because, wow, some of their relatives were dying and Jesus hadn't come back yet. And what was going to happen to those who had died? And would they go to heaven? And, and, and what about their bodies and all those things? So they had a lot of questions and they were asking about this. And I, and I think it's important for us to realize this. As Christians, we are not just simply part of a religion. We aren't just individuals with some philosophical beliefs or moral beliefs that are different from other people. Uh, we are individuals who have a relationship with a Heavenly Father who loves us and cares about us and has made provision not only for our time here on earth, and we really get caught up with that, but also our time in eternity. And he has a plan that's, that's working out for uh, the earth. He's not through with the earth yet. He's not through with the people of the earth, but also for our eternal destiny. And we get into some of that as we begin into these passages. And so it's, uh, I hope it's exciting for you as you begin to think about it. You know, no matter how I present it, just think about the potential and the possibility of what's going to happen for each and every one of us. But let me read to you from 1 Thessalonians again, verse 4, beginning in the 13th verse, and I'm going to read down to the end of the chapter, uh, verse 18. It says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. And simply, uh, it's not people that are sleeping here this morning. It's those who have died, those who uh, have been laid in the grave or whatever is done with the body, so that you will not grieve as do the rest of those who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, or through Jesus, in other words, they're believers. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Uh, you know, they were confused about when Jesus was coming back. Uh, I'm sure Paul, as he was teaching them, talked about the fact that Jesus was coming back soon, because I really believe that Paul thought Jesus would return for the church before Paul died, he, he, his, his coming was imminent. It doesn't mean immediate, 
but imminent. It means that we can be assured that it's going to happen. And you can also know that there's nothing else that has to happen before Jesus comes back in the rapture. You know, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, do you think he's coming soon? I said, yeah, I think he's coming soon. Well, the signs show that. Well, the signs are about when Jesus is going to come back and establish his kingdom on earth. It's what they call the second coming. But the rapture is before that. And so there's nothing that needs to happen before the rapture takes place. We, we don't need to sit back and look for the signs because he could come before we get out of this building this morning. Uh, everything is set for that to happen. And so we need to be aware of that, that his, his coming is imminent and we need to be expecting it. Now, I'm not setting dates. Uh, I've heard people do that. I, I remember going to a series of, of meetings in... Uh, Probably in the late 70s, uh, Jack Van Impey was doing meetings in southern Oregon, and I went there. And Van Impey said he will be back in the next 10 years. I would say you're not making book. You can make book on it, but we're not gambling this morning. So he'll be back in the next 10 years. Jack Van Impey died about a year or so ago, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. Does that mean he's not coming? No, it just means that we don't know the date. Jesus said we don't know when that's going to happen. There was another man writing back then. His name was Hal Lindsey. He wrote the late great planet Earth. And he also said it's going to be right away. And uh, it hasn't happened yet. Am I saying it won't happen soon? No, I think it's going to be soon to tell you the truth. When I look at all of the signs that lead to the second coming when Christ sets up his church, Boy, I, I, I look at the European Union, and it says that there's a ten-nation confederacy that comes out of the old Roman Empire that's there. It talks about a union between uh, Gog and Magog, which is Russia, those nations in the north, and with Persia, which is, anybody know who Persia is? Iran. Well, and we're seeing some of those taking place, the nation of Turkey, some of those nations around there are beginning to come together, and we see some things happening. And you look back in the book of Ezekiel, and it talks about those things. And, and so I, I believe it's soon. Another, uh, another writer that uh, led us to believe it would be soon was uh, Tim LaHaye. Anybody read the Left Behind series? Boy, that was big a couple of a few years ago. Everybody was real. I can remember guys in my church, they could hardly wait for the next book to come out. And they were down to the bookstore so they could get one of the books on the Left Behind series. But what I, I, I want you to realize is even though we don't know when, we should be waiting and we should be watching. And we need to know that um, as to the appointed time, that's when the end shall be. God has, has laid a time. Uh, when we look at this idea of his coming, there was really two, two comings that were presented where he would come to the earth. There was the first coming, second coming. And for those of you who may need just a refresher course, the first coming had to do with when he came as a baby. He came as a sacrificial savior. He didn't come as a conqueror to destroy the nations of the earth. He came to... Give his life, and we know that he came as a baby. He was a God-man. He went to the cross. He died. He was buried. He rose again and ascended into heaven. Do you know what the Bible says? It says because Jesus rose, we can be sure that we will too. It's the confirmation, and we're going to come back and look at that. Second coming is when Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom here on earth. 
And uh, if you go back to Revelation chapter 19, I, I just want to read some of these for you because it gives you an idea of his coming and conquering and he's going to set up his thousand-year reign, I believe, on the earth and it's going to be a, a utopia. Uh, very literal of what's going to happen, but let me just read some of these passages. Verse, chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, it says, I saw the heaven open. This is Revelation. I saw the heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. This is Jesus coming back. And in righteousness he judges and wages war, and his eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except him. He is clothed in a robe, dipped with blood. His name is called the Word of God. We see that in John chapter 1 in the first three verses. And it says, In the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And I believe that's the saints coming with him. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads with a winepress with fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Goes over to verse 19, and it says, And I saw the beast and the, king, and the kings of the earth and the armies assembled to make war against him. And he sat on a horse against his army um, and against his army. And the beast was seized, and with him and the false prophet who performed signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who were received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped him, his image, these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone, and it just talks about that judgment. But that's when Jesus Christ comes back as a conquering hero. And he's going to set up his kingdom here on earth for a thousand years. In fact, you go down to verse chapter 20, says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and the great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan. And he bound him for, here it is, the first one, a thousand years. Very literal. And he threw him into the abyss and he shut it and he sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. And after those things... He must be released a short time. And I saw the thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus, because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image had not received the mark on their forehead and on their hand, and they came to life and received Jesus Christ for, reigned with, and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were complete. And it says this is the first resurrection. And then it goes down here at the end of verse 6, and it says, and Christ will reign with him for a thousand, or they will reign with Christ for a thousand years. I just want you to get the picture. There's these two great times that Jesus is going to come to earth. The first one's already taken place. The second one's for the future. But there's a third. And that's what we're dealing with today. That's called the rapture. Comes from a rapture, comes from a, a Latin word, rap, rapio, I believe it is, and it just talks about the fact that uh, there, is, there are those who are caught up to be with Christ. The parousia is Jesus Christ comes, he descends, but it doesn't ever say here he comes clear to earth. It's the idea that he comes down so far and makes a U turn, and all of those who know Jesus Christ, dead and alive, go up to be with him. 
That's what we look forward to right now. I believe that is the hope of, of every Christian. So I want to look at that in this passage this morning as we get in here and just give you a little better idea of some of the things that are going on. Uh, before I do that, let me take you back and show you what it's going to be like in those thousand years. Uh, Isaiah 11 is, is a great passage. There's a number of others like it, but in Isaiah 11, verses 6 through uh, verse 9, uh, just to tell you that the peace that's going to be on the earth when Jesus reigns, it says the wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze, and the young lion will lie down. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will play in the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand into the viper's den. <laughs> They will not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord and the waters covered the sea. And we look at that and I just want you to know that when Jesus reigns on the earth, it is going to be a utopia. It's going to be an amazing time and an amazing place. And, and so we look forward to those things happening. But now let's get back to where we are. Verse 13 of First uh, Thessalonians 4, it says, For we do not want you to be uninformed. We do not want you, I like the uh, King James, it says, We don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. We don't want you to be uninformed. We don't want you to be without knowledge about those who are asleep, those who have died, so that you will not grieve as the rest who have no hope. And the thing is, when we don't know, and we're not sure what's happened to our relatives and our kids and our friends and our neighbors when they die. It's a time of grief because we think, what, what's going to become of them? What happens to them? And so Paul said, I, I don't want you to have this grief. I don't want you to be sorrowful. I, I want you to realize that there is a plan that God has in place. And he's, Jesus is going to come back. And, and I believe there's a seven-year tribulation that follows when Jesus Christ comes back for his own. So we're not to be uninformed. And if I could do anything today, I, I would let you know that uh, we, we as Christians, when we receive Jesus Christ, we don't go through the judgment. We don't go through those hard times. Because God promised that for his children that it wouldn't happen and then we go to verse 14, and it says, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. As I was uh, studying this passage, I thought back to a time when Jesus went. He'd been called. There was a friend of his who was very sick and ultimately died. His name was Lazarus, and it's found in John the 11th chapter and by the time Jesus got there, he waited a little long before he left for his own reason. And in chapter 11, we find him coming, and he met Lazarus' sister, Martha. And Martha met him and said, Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I believe that whatever you ask God, God will do, give you. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, and she believed in the resurrection, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, 
He who has that relationship and puts his trust in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And even he who comes into the world, I, I believe those things about you. 1 Corinthians 15 is probably one of the greatest passages that deals with the resurrection. And it, uh, it gives us some of the important things that we need to know about what's going to happen with the body and what's going to happen to us as, as we die and the body is laid in the grave. In 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 3, Paul said, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Jesus Christ died. And you remember in our other passage, it says, if he died and rose again, do you believe these things? It says, Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. And then he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve and ultimately up to 500 people. But it's the idea that, that our resurrection is based on Christ's resurrection. Now let's go over to verse 20 of the, or 12 of this same, same uh, chapter. It says, if Christ is preached, now if Christ is preached that he was raised from the dead, how do some among you say there's no resurrection of the dead? And if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, oh man, then my preaching is vain. Your faith is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testify against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if he didn't raise him. If then, in fact, the dead are not raised... For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. But if Christ has been raised, your faith not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. If we have hope in Christ, in this life only, if all it is is about a philosophical understanding of Christianity, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now, verse 20, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep, and those who have died will come back to be with him. I, I really like 2 Corinthians, and I'm just doing a teaching time this morning, and we're hitting a lot of scriptures. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 9, it says, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we were at home in the body we were absent from the lord for if we walk by faith and not by sight we are of good courage i say and prefer rather to be absent from the body to be home from the lord therefore we also have as our ambition whether at home or absent to be pleasing to him so let me give you the picture if christ didn't die and come back to life we don't have any hope. There's nothing to place our faith in. But because Christ did die, and it's a historical fact, and he did rise from the grave, then we have all the hope in the world. But here's what it says happens when you die. I want you to get this, because there are some people that believe in soul sleep. They believe when the body dies, you lay it in the grave, and the soul and the spirit and everything else just stays there. The Bible says, the passage I just read, that when we die... The body will basically be laid aside. It's laid in the grave. 
God's going to take care of it later. It's not all done with it. But the soul and the spirit goes to heaven to be with him. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Okay, you got that? So we can understand that when my relatives, my mom and my dad and my nephew and my uh, granddaughter died, they immediately went up to be with the Lord in terms of their spirit and soul. But the body left was left here. But God's not done with your body yet. He's not finished with it yet. When his resurrection comes, we will find that body is resurrected as well. Let me read to you verse uh, 15 and 16 of our passage. Verse 15 and 16, 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ, those who are already buried, will rise first. That's the body. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So it shall always be, and so we shall always be with the Lord. And so the picture here is that Jesus comes back for his own. Back in Acts chapter 1. And we're just kind of moving through all these scriptures this morning, uh, maybe a lot more than usual. But in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, Jesus ascended into heaven. And it says, after he had said these things, he told them to go out and be his witnesses in the world. He was lifted up while they were looking on. This was his disciples. They were watching and he was going to heaven and a cloud received him out of their sight And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, well, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just that same way as you have watched him go into heaven. And that's talked about the the rapture, the parousia, when Jesus Christ comes back. For his, for his own. And, and it talks a little bit about what it'll be like. There's the, the loud call. Command. I, I don't know whether it's Jesus that does that. Or whether it's the, uh, the archangel. But there's this call that's going to be made for us. And I, I thought about how it was probably like when Lazarus was in the grave. Uh, when Jesus came to the grave and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out. He was still bound in the grave clothes. But he came out. And they unwrapped the clothes and loosed him because Jesus gave him the command, come forth. And, I, and I'm kind of wondering if as Jesus comes down in the clouds and towards the earth, he doesn't say simply, come forth. No names. I, I've heard people say that if he hadn't said Lazarus, all the graves would have opened up and people would have come out because of the command. But just think about it. How amazing that's going to be when... Jesus comes, and then it says there's the the archangel, and the only archangel that we know of in Scripture is Michael. There may be others, but that's the one that's named. And then the trumpet uh, call is going to be there. And they're not going to be playing jazz, and they're not going to be doing Dixieland. But when you play a trumpet, it was a call. It was a call to come and gather together, or it was a call to go to war. Any of you watch any of those old westerns where the bugler's leading them? Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of the idea. There's going to be that trumpet call, and those who are dead in Christ, their bodies are immediately going to be raised up, and those who are alive are going to be caught up to be together with them in the air. One of my, uh, my favorite passages 
for uh, funerals is found in John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Since I go and prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And then he says he's going to come again and receive us up to himself. That's the rapture. It's not talking about him coming down to where we are, but it's talking about us being caught up to go where he is. And that's the next event. If that happened today, every one of us right here would immediately be caught up to be with him in the air. And, and you know, it says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and that gives me hope for my family. Will I know him? Yeah, I will. I, I really believe that. When, when there was, uh, Moses came down and Elijah came down and they met with Jesus Christ, the disciples immediately knew who they were. When Jesus was resurrected out of the grave, they all knew who he was. And I believe that when I get to heaven and I'm, I'm going up with Jesus and that rapture is taking place, I'm going to see those that are special to me. And I'm going to see some of you. And we're going to know each other. And it's going to be so positive. It's exciting to realize that. Verse 16 and 17 again as we come back to our passage. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. There we all, we all go up, and we meet the Lord in the air, so, it shall all, so we shall always be with the Lord. First there's the dead in Christ, and then those who are alive. You know, I, I don't know exactly what that resurrection body is going to be like. The Bible doesn't tell us. We get an idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 47 to 48, uh, kind of what it's going to be like. Let me, let me just read this for you. It says, The first man, that is Adam, he was earthy. The second man is from heaven, that's Jesus. As is the earthy, those who are like Adam, so also so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have been born in the image of earth, of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of heavenly or Jesus. Now I say this, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So what it's saying is, <laughs> this body I have isn't going to make it. I am so thankful for that. You know, as I get a little older, it doesn't move like it used to move, and it doesn't jump like it used to jump, and it doesn't see quite like it used to see. And all of those things, and that body, when I get it, it's going to be perfect. And it's going to be a body that lasts. In fact, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians verse 5, it says the body's kind of like an old tent. And we've gone through two or three different tents because they just don't hold up forever. And that's what the physical body's like. It doesn't hold up forever. It's the perishable, not the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. In other words, Paul says, we're not all going to die, but we'll all be changed. My dad said that should be on every nursery door. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. I believe every child should be changed before their parents pick them up, okay? Uh, but that's not what it's talking about here. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. You know how fast that is? I could go down there. I, I won't do this to, to uh, Daniel, but I go down and go like that right in front of him. See, his eyes blinked. Do you know how fast that's going to be when we're changed and transformed? That fast. It's not this evolutionary process where all of a sudden my body begins to evolve. It's transformed immediately. That's what God's talking about here. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. And when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death, oh, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks to God who gives us the glory or the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we are going to be changed, and we're going to be transformed. And it says we are to comfort one another with these words. I thought about the, the body of Jesus. Some people say, oh, is it just kind of a spiritual apparition that floats around? No. You know, after Jesus came back from the dead after he rose. Disciples were in the upper room, and the doors were locked, and all of a sudden Jesus was in their midst. Somehow his body transformed or translated right into that room. The week later he came down and he did the same thing, but he was physical. It, it, it wasn't that he wasn't physical. Thomas could touch his hands. They, he could see where the nail prints were. He'd, he could see where the scar was in his sight. He was physical. Later on, Jesus made breakfast for them down by the sea, and they all ate together, and Jesus apparently ate. So he has that physical body that you can feel, you can touch. It, it has all those things, and yet, bam, it can move so quickly, and it's imperishable. And that's what our bodies are going to be like. I don't know if, if everything's going to be the same. You know, if you've got some issues, maybe you can get plastic surgery on the way up. I, I don't know. But we're going to have a wonderful new body. I, I wonder at times what it's going to be like when that rapture comes, when Jesus comes down, the, the archangel is there, the trumpet of God, the people rise up. I think it's going to be a hard time on earth. Because you have that many people leave, it's going to be chaos, and nobody's going to know where they go. A person that has a wife or a husband that's a believer, and they aren't, is going to look over, and they're gone. Parents are going to be listening to a movie on, uh, on their TV or whatever, and they've got something hooked up so they can hear the baby in the bedroom and see him maybe on a viewing screen and... You know, they're watching, and all of a sudden, there's nothing there. And they go on in, and he's gone. Because I believe that when a child has not reached that age of accountability, yet he's going to be with the Lord. We're born with a sin nature, but God's a just and gracious God. When David's baby died, he, he didn't grieve, and they said, why not? And he said, because my baby can't come to me, but I will go to him. I would imagine there are cars that will be destroyed. Years ago, there was a, a rumor going around that every one of the major airlines, when they put pilots up, if one was a Christian, they had a non-Christian co-pilot, just in case the one took off. 
I believe through that chaos there will come a one-world government. How will they explain it? I don't know. Maybe they'll simply say we stirred up things on Mars and they got a little upset up there and the aliens came back and took all these people. I have no idea how they're going to explain it away, but they will. And the world will go on into a tribulation time, a time of punishment on the nations that turn from God. You and I, though, have comfort. We can know that Jesus is coming back, and we can know that he's going to take us to be with him, which is why I title this sermon, Do You Have Your Ticket? Are You Ready to Fly? Are You Ready to Meet the Lord in the Air, or Will You Be Left Behind? In 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, it says, Now little children abide in him so that when he appears, when he comes, when he comes to rapture us and take us to be with him, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Are we ready? If we know that he is righteous, we know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Two things about this message. Number one, it's to be a message of comfort because God has a plan for us and it's not to undergo judgment. It says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Told the, the city of Philippi that they would not undergo the judgment that was come. And that would be that tribulation time. So we can be assured that we're going to go to heaven to be with him. But the other thing it should do is cause us to have a great desire to reach those who don't know Jesus so they don't undergo that time of judgment, so that they also will be caught up to be with him. And so it's a motivation for us to be able to reach out to others and to share Jesus Christ with them. It's a concept that for many, it's, it's hard to get. There are some different views, maybe even, than I presented today. But I believe what is presented today is very biblical and it's very understandable. And we need to go back and say, wow, what's God got in store for me? I'm kind of excited. You know, I, you, don't, uh, you get in, a, in a, an airplane and you fall out, you got a parachute, you come down. But this is going to be, you're going to go just as fast, you can go up. And it's going to be kind of an interesting thing but it's because Jesus is calling us to himself. If you're not ready today, let, I'd love to talk to you and just share with you. If you have questions on the message, I'd like to sit down and work through some things with you so maybe you can understand it a little better. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you're not ready for Jesus, I, I would encourage you before this, this day is over to let me just put it this way. Get your ticket. Have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Know that you're... Your place is secure with him and that someday he is going to come again for you and you'll be ready. Let's pray, shall we? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just the time that we have to share. You are an awesome God. I, I praise you for who you are and I thank you. And you're sovereign and, and there are so many things that you have promised in your word that aren't complete yet. So the things you're going to do with the nation of Israel that aren't finished yet, Father, and they will be finished in that thousand-year reign. 
Your promises, you don't say something and then not follow through. You don't make promises and not keep them. And so we know that there are things going to happen that, that we don't have a total answer for yet. We, we know that there is going to be that rapture, that snatching away. That's what the word really means, to snatch away. And, Father, we know that that's true for every believer that knows Jesus Christ. And I believe it's before the time of judgment, and it's before the thousand-year reign. And you've made that evident. And so, Father, I thank you for, boy, just the hope that we have in you and, uh, and your plan for each of us. Thank you, Father. You are an awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.